Welcome to Undercovered the podcast with Bing Kimpo. Undercovered because some stories need to be told, others told more, a few told more fully, or perhaps in a different way, if not in a different light. Welcome to conversation about some of the stuff that's just undercovered. Welcome to Undercover the Podcast, where we talk about subjects that remain undercovered. Now, for this show, we're talking about out-of-home media in Southeast Asia. For more news and information curated for the OOH industry in the ASEAN region, follow at OOH on Twitter. this year, research firm Magda and OH Specialist Report, both members of the IPG Media Brands family, released the state of out-of-home in 2019, a report they drew up after looking into 70 OH markets. In this episode, I will share the global overview of the Rapport and Magna report, with emphasis where they were included on our own Southeast Asian markets. Now, just a note, not all Southeast Asian markets were covered in the report which spoke only of Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. After the overview, I will proceed to a fascinating interview with Rapport Global CEO Michael Cooper. So, on to the report itself. Here are Magda and Rapport's global overview of the state of out of home in 2019 in 10 points. Point number one, global OOH net advertising revenues were estimated at 31 billion US dollars in 2018. That's growing consistently at an average of 4.1% per year in the last nine years from 2010 to 2018. Now in 2017, they already passed, we already passed the 30 billion US dollar milestone. And OOH continues to grow and is expected to grow in the next five years by an average of 2.8% globally. Point number two, the global share of OOH was 10% of non-digital advertising sales in 2018 and 5.6% of non-digital and digital combined. Point number three, APAC is the largest OOH region with almost 13 billion, that's out of 31 billion, in sales last year. On the back, that's on the back of $4.6 billion in sales from Japan, which comprises 15% of the global market, and $4 billion from China, 13% of the global market. Now, APAC is expected to register an average growth of nearly 3% in the next five years. Japan and China, along with a larger market, the US, comprise 52% of the global market. Now, what about Southeast Asian markets? We'll take a look now at the six, yes, six markets. Southeast Asian market number one, Indonesia. Net advertising revenue for OOH in 2018 was valued at 300 million US dollars. OOH accounted for 4.4% of the total ad spend in Indonesia. Digital out-of-home comprised 0.6% of the total OOH net advertising revenue. Compounded annual growth rate for OOH net advertising revenues over the next five years is forecast at 2%. Next market, Malaysia. Net advertising revenue for OOH in 2018 was valued at 128 million US dollars. This accounted for 10.7% of the total ad spend in Malaysia. 
Now, out of that, digital out-of-home comprised 4% of the total OOH net advertising revenues. Compounded annual growth rate for OOH net advertising revenues over the next five years is forecast at 6.2%. In the Philippines, OOH net advertising revenue in 2018 was valued at $326 million. OOH accounted for 14.9%. That's a huge 14.9% of the total ad spend in the Philippines. Now, digital out-of-home comprised 23.2% of the total OOH net advertising revenues. Compounded annual growth rate for OOH net advertising revenues over the next five years is forecast at 12.4%. In Singapore, OOH net advertising revenues in 2018 was valued at 197 million US dollars. OOH accounted for 12.6% of the total ad spend in Singapore. DOOH comprised 25.9% of the total OOH net advertising revenues. Compounded annual growth rate for OOH net advertising revenues over the next five years is forecast at 2.3%. Thailand, OOH net advertising revenues in 2018 was valued at 419 million US dollars. That's 419 million US dollars. This accounted for 11.4% of the total ad spend in Thailand. DOOH comprised 32.6%, wow, 32.6% of the total OOH net advertising revenue. And the compounded annual growth rate for OOH net advertising revenues over the next five years is forecast at 9.6%. That's 9.6% growth in Thailand. And finally, in Vietnam, OOH net advertising revenues in 2018 was valued at $51 million dollars. OOH accounted for only 3.9% of the total ad spend in Vietnam. DOOH comprised 19.3% of the total OOH net advertising revenues. And the compounded annual growth rate for OOH net advertising revenues over the next five years is forecast at 2.1%. Point number four now. Digital out-of-home is hitting critical mass. DOOH accounted for a 20% share of OOH sales in the APAC region. That's the second highest share among the regions after Latin America's, with, uh, who had Latin America had 21%. The global average share of DOOH in OOH revenues is now 18%. So you can imagine what a huge uh, percentage Thailand has. Thailand accounting, of course, for 326 in DOH revenues out of the total OH net advertising revenues there. Australia and the UK broke the 50% share of sales for DOH with 52% and 50% respectively. Again, as I mentioned, in Southeast Asia, Thailand registered the highest share of sales for digital out-of-home at 33%. Digital out-of-home is expected to grow at an average of 12% per year in the next five years to accounting for 28% of OH ad sales by 2023. Point number five, beyond billboards, there is more to OH. Roadside billboards still account for the dominant 43% portion of OH sales, but this share is declining. Transit is at 34%, that's their share of uh, revenues. In the Philippines, as a matter of fact, it accounts uh, it accounts for a larger, much larger share. In the Philippines, it accounts for 58%. Street furniture 
accounts for 13%, place-based environments 6%, and malls 4%. So those are the that's the mix for out-of-home beyond roadside billboards. Point number six, consolidation is underway in the markets. In the top 20 markets analyzed by Magda and Report, which together account, you know, these 20 markets, top 20 markets, together account for 80% of global revenue, the average market share of the top three vendors was 63%. In Southeast Asia, Thailand reflects this with the top three vendors accounting for 60% of sales. Point number seven. OH is becoming a global industry, with the top seven companies that have regional or multinational presences accounting for 42% of global sales. Point number eight, out-of-home inventory is plateauing. In the top 20 markets, roadside billboards have decreased 9%, and their share has also decreased from 40 to 37%. Transit ad volumes, though, are up 3%. Their share of ad revenue is now almost at par with roadside billboards at 35%. Now, this is happening even as digital out-of-home inventory has doubled in the last three years. Digital out-of-home units now comprise 5% of total out-of-home inventory, yet they already account for 18% of revenues. Conclusion why does out-of-home perform? That's point number 10. Why out-of-home performs? First, digital out-of-home inventory increases the yield or revenue per location. According to the study, the revenue per unit increase of a digital out-of-home inventory unit can be up to 12 times that of an equivalent static out-of-home unit of the same size placed in the same location. Number two, Digital out-of-home attracts new categories of advertisers, especially those who want to take advantage of its immediacy and responsiveness. Next, digital out-of-home opens new environments, particularly place-based ones such as elevators and taxis, as screens become more affordable and as they become connected. Also, out-of-home's reach and audience are holding. The reach and audience of out-of-home media has not gone down next has been an improvement in audience measurement of course an improvement in creativity and finally it is more affordable the global average cpm for out of home is 11 us dollars versus 26 dollars for national free tv now at the start of the report rapport global ceo michael cooper sums up his excitement about out of home in two parts First, he says, and I quote, Just about every consumer you will ever target is spending 75% of their waking life outside of their home. And he adds, Number two, the key difference surrounding our most recent surge in excitement and confidence. Technology has now given us the ability to prove what we have rationally always known. What is more, it has given us the ability to study consumer patterns. Well said, Mike. In the next part of this episode, we'll hear from Mike himself. We'll start the conversation talking about uh, his views on Asia, then measurement. Then we go on to the globalized out-of-home industry. We'll also talk about tech brands and OOH. OOH in the digital, in the age of digital rather, and the out-of-home specialist business and that of rapport in the region. Here's my interview with Mike Cooper.
This is Undercovered the Podcast with Ben Kimpo. Um, I mean, if you look at more condensed markets like Hong Kong, um, the digital explosion, possibly because the technology is often designed in that part of the world and is, is more readily available and cost-effective, digital took over at a rapid rate. So the digital inventory across the condensed markets of Hong Kong and Singapore and, and some of the key Chinese um, cities is, is way ahead of the game. Um, and elsewhere, vendors are developing as quick as they can. As, as with any, everywhere else in the world, in Asia, the development tends to be condensed in the high-populated key areas where the, the bigger audience is, so the bigger revenue potential is. But I, I would suggest that Asia is at least on par or at pace with um, other countries in the world. And as I say, in some markets, ahead of the game. How about audience measurement? Because, um, well, there obviously are more advanced markets. Uh, talk about UK and, you know, the US and Australia. How how far are you across this region in terms of uh, improving audience measurement? Because it is a struggle, I think, for, for, for some markets. It definitely is in the Philippines. I, mean, I can tell you that personally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, obviously... When you talk about Asia, comparing it to the UK is a bit of a misnomer. We have to compare it to Europe. So similarly there, there are better measurement systems in the more established markets. Um, and then if I'm to compare it to Europe, the measurement systems aren't as good in Austria or the Czech Republic or places like that. When, where technology is helping us catapult through that is with, with mobile data and the ability to track an audience before when years past the date of having to stand by a board and count the number of people walking past it and then start to think about neural networking for eyes on which would, could still be important but mobile data is, is readily available in many many markets now and giving us the ability to really assess where people live where people work therefore how they travel between the two and give us a really accurate understanding of who's seen what as, as they travel throughout their daily lives Yes, it, it, it's a, it's a technology issue. From from my understanding of it, from from my own, uh, the factor of getting industry players, the entire industry, to come in and and lend themselves and their sites to measurement, that's also a factor. It, it means that you're you're gathering the entire industry, all the players, or at least the the largest ones, together to submit themselves to a common currency, to a common measure. There, there are some markets which are absolutely do that. Uh, I, I think it's a challenge in some. As an industry, we need to learn. As an industry, we need to learn to play together better. One thing technology is giving us is everyone has the ability to create their own system, which can actually fragment us more than unite us. So, I think vendors in particular have to acknowledge, yeah, where. We're colleagues in an industry, we're competitors, but we are still colleagues in an industry. And if we can unify things and make measurement holistic across the whole industry and then just compete for share and, and, and to sell, it should be a competitive marketplace. But there, there is a tendency for certainly the, the people with the bigger pockets to go off and, and create their own thing, which, again, as I say, can, can fragment um, the buying that for more than it can unify it and technology now has the ability to make it a lot more simple and unify it if we could all work together. How were the other markets where measurement is is uh, well is, is a bit more advanced how were they able to get the industry together in your experience or in your, in your, to your knowledge? Well 
use the example yourself of the UK, which is it's a small market, it's a very advanced market. So there's trade bodies, there's industry bodies where all the vendors pay membership fee, um, as do as they do in the US. And there is a holistic management system, there is a holistic trading system. Um, and it, it's not a million miles away because a lot of those people are, are the same players. But then other people are entering the market outside of the key vendors. That, you know, there are people launching now that just want to be a holistic measurement service. So an industry body is always a good thing that everybody commits to and works together. But outside that, now if you look at what Moving Walls are doing in Asia, where they've they've encouraged, I think it's um, 28 different digital outphone providers across five countries to come together and trade as one. So in Asia, where you have got markets like China with with an, an unending list of, of vendors selling inventory, if they can learn to work together in some way, and it appears to be happening, as I say, with companies like Moving Walls, um, it shouldn't be a complicated thing. Where does uh, a company like Rapport fit into this entire thing? How, how, how do you see yourself participating in, in bringing it? Because it obviously will be better for you if, if there is a common currency because it's something like, like television which would make it easier for you to sell uh, you know sell and convince your clients your advert the, the advertisers to take in certain uh, certain areas or certain sites you know Ripple's vision is very much about creative audience driven solutions for clients so we see the vendors as our clients just as much as the clients and when we go into any given market, we spend as much time talking to vendors and as we do to our clients and our agencies about how do we genuinely add value by, by unifying everyone where we're not um, we're an incredibly transparent company. We, we never ask vendors for rebates or kickbacks, which um, people often expect when we, when, we arrive in, when we arrive in a market. We're often received with skepticism because they expect that, but... Traditionally, when we've gone into a market, we've grown it by selling the values of out of home, by leveraging our relationships with our global client base and with our holding company to show clients that their audience is spending an increasing amount of time out of home, especially in many Asian markets where the weather's fantastic, so everybody's outside all the time. Um, and showing that we can sell the medium with the vendors and that we are completely unbiased in our placement so we'll work across all vendors so a lot of the smaller vendors get the opportunity to sell to us and our clients that they might not with some of our competitors Um, and ultimately whatever measurement system is or isn't available in the market you reference television in the majority of markets around the world television is bought on a system of one over the other, which is often not very robust at all. Um, and the data that is available in our home is, is vast, is, is very um, well documented, and consolidating data is just math. So there, there's no reason that we can't take data from multiple sort, sources, put it together to start to talk about optimum audience delivery and make sure we're buying the right sites in the right locations and, and with the evolution of digital at the right time, be it time of year, time of week, or time of day. Um, so you know, we, we want to be a rewarding connection to everybody we work with um, and, and grow the industry in markets. And I think we've seen, we launched in the U.S. Um, at the beginning of 2013. Um, we're now 
the biggest specialist in the US, as, as we call, uh, or will be as we get through 2019. Um, and we've done it by treating everybody like a client in reality. Our clients, our agencies and our vendors are working in partnership to figure out what we can do to convince these people that possibly spending too much time in, too much money in people's living rooms. Well, you seem to be doing well and you seem to be having fun. I just saw your latest uh, post on LinkedIn and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's tough to be you, huh? With, with all those models. On, on the, on the that, that, that was, on, on was fun. I, I, I was relatively restricted because one of them was my wife. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it, 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 it was a lot of fun and... Um, I mean, again, with that, we, we've we've never had so many people accept an invite to to turn out to um, a, a billboard activation. Oh, uh, so it was it was quite a popular time in Times Square yesterday. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, again, just to go back a bit to the study, um, retail, entertainment, uh, are these are these same categories also the leading? Uh, QSRs, are these all the same categories that um, your offices across Southeast Asia say are also doing? Or are you taking up a lot of the OH inventories? Are, are, are these, um, do these yeah, generally is, across, is, across the world? Are these the same categories? It is. With a few anomalies, it, it, it is pretty much the same footprint. And I think it's probably reflective of communication technology, the fact that evolutions in anything now tend to happen on a global level, be it fashion trends. It used to be that a fashion trend would launch somewhere and it would slowly roll around the world, but technology now allows that to happen instantaneously. So what we're finding with some of our entertainment clients like Sony, when they launched the new Spider-Man movie, it goes live in every market around the world at the same time because the idea of, of, of rolling things out around the world, you can't do that faster than technology can do it. So it is, it is a very similar footprint. Um, I mean, I guess one of the anomalies in some of the Asian markets is, yes, it's retail, but if you go to Hong Kong, Singapore, it's high-end retail. Now... Yeah. Proud of Versace, things like that. I've always been fans of out of home, but when I walk through the streets of Hong Kong or Singapore, it, it's saturated with Louis Vuitton and Diego Lacoutre and Patek Philippe. And so, yeah, retail's very strong for out of home on a global level, but very high end retail seems to be um, really getting involved in the space across across many Asian markets. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the, the tech giants as well. Um, I mean, it's interesting that I'm sure when we do a lot of these interviews, people get excited about social and search and online video. And I think what the actual people that create that kind of stuff, the Googles and Amazons and Facebooks this world realize is that for them to sell what they do, they, they use out of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not just getting involved in it as advertisers, they're getting involved in it as owners and investors. So Google, um, via Alphabet, have now taken ownership of what was Titan and became intersection in the U.S. And then as advertisers, Netflix have bought their own network of billboards in Los Angeles now because it's so important to them. So they, they, they bought, I think, a fleet of 30 billboards um, just to use for their own inventory and, and per mount. Um so they are becoming massive investors in the space, both in terms of paying advertisers and in terms of owners and developers. And 
people promising measurements who think like Google Touch Points. Well, it, it's... Um, and I, th- I think that should be... Sorry, carry on. No, no, go, go, go on, please. No, I, was saying, I think that should be something that the rest of the media world really needs to take note of. These are, these are incredibly clever people in the richest companies in the world, and their focus from, from a multitude of angles is on the out-of-home space. So you know, we need to be aware of that and, and possibly make sure we emulate that. I, I was thinking that, as you were mentioning, the likes of Alphabet slash Google and, and, and uh, Netflix, probably the scale of these, uh, you know, the, the, the scale that these players are now getting involved in out of home and in pushing digital out of home, I think more so, is that they're probably going to drive a lot of the, the industries, in, particularly in the areas where the where measurement and, 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 and improvement is, is still wanting or lacking, they'll probably be driving it so that you know, it's something which they could, underst- uh, they could understand the sites, the inventories better. And perhaps that, that's a good thing because uh, it'll help push uh, a lot of the other markets as well towards, you know, towards um, the maturity that's present in, in the major markets. Yeah, absolutely. But um, one thing to remember about these brands, and you know, particularly if you think of a brand like Apple, Apple have been using out of home for years. You know, they, they have the iconic creative of the silhouette with just the the, the white earbud, earbuds coming in, and that that was just traditional paper and paste or vinyl out of home advertising. They've been doing that for years, so they always understood the value of it out of home isn't suddenly doing a phenomenal job for, for clients because it's going digital. It always did, and it does so more so now, yes, because of the technological developments and our measurement, but also because the audience, as it always has, has continued to spend more and more time out of home. And these are the people, the Apples, the Googles, the Facebooks, that allow people to spend more time out of home because they can consume their entertainment, they can socialize, they can select their news, they can book their restaurant all while they're out and about. Nobody's tied to any form of home or office in any way, shape, or form now. And these are the companies that facilitate that kind of lifestyle. So these companies drove us out of home. They get that, so now they target us out of home. Yeah, and right. yeah. other brands and, and clients should should take note of that. Yeah. Everything starts... I mean, the, the, the germ of the idea of what to do in the digital world actually starts in the real world, and that's where... You know, that that's where out of home is. Absolutely, and I think one of the things where we, we, we possibly differ slightly on our view of technology and data is it's all fabulous and it's important and it will be key to the future. Um, but a lot of this stuff needs to be things we can do as well. If you look at a brand like Spotify, who really, more than anyone we work with, understand the importance of audience accuracy and minimizing wastage, and using data and mobile data and digital data to, to accurately do whatever it is we want to do for a given campaign. But sometimes they just want to put a 30-foot-tall poster of Beyonce on Sunset Boulevard, and it's a purely heartfelt thing because it's Beyonce, and that's a great thing too. Sometimes an emotional, creative reaction is an incredible way to, to market something. And again, that can be doing out of home like, like nowhere else. So I, th- I think, yeah, the technology is great, but I don't want to lose track of the phenomenal job 
out of home has always done. Again, brands like Coca-Cola are exploiting the capabilities that technology and data are allowing us now, but sometimes they still just want a 10,000-square-foot billboard in Times Square, and, and it's, a, it's a good thing to do. So I, I think what this evolution has allowed us to do is to compete and surpass what can be done online because we've still got this beautiful, physical, geographically located fleet of inventory um, that can do something that no other medium can. And so, and some of them are just so massive that they just that they just grab your attention. Can't help it. I spent the first half of my career asking people, listening to people's opinions, and and asking them for the data to prove it. But in recent years, I found myself listening to people talk to me about data and then saying, but, but tell me what you think. Even surely you have an opinion around this as well. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter how much data you've got if you're not using the right data. That's and true. ultimately, the more data, the easier it is for people like me to make the data say whatever I want it to say. Um, so... I'd, I'd rather have a smaller amount of incredibly accurate data than an amount of data so large that I possibly haven't got a computer that can read it. Um, and, and at the end of it, I, I, want, I want the tools and suites that we're trying to develop, we use the phrase, we're developing tools for experts, not tools to replace experts. Well, I'm, I'm glad you say that because, uh, you know, If you're judging by the press releases and, and the number of stories that that seems to be covered in in uh, in the trade press, particularly with regard to marketing and marketing technology and media technology, it really seems that everybody wants to simplify things to the point that it's really bots and uh, you know it's all about machines doing thinking and and. There's not much, there, there isn't much press really written about who has made a great plan and, and, and who, who has a, an insightful plan. It seems to be a lot of it is really, I don't know, there's just too much concentration on, on programmatic, on, on, on efficiencies and all of that to the extent that somehow insight and, 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 and you know, all, all of these things about discovering, uh, what people do throughout the day, that that seems to be thrown down the road. And, and I think that that's, it, it's a pity, particularly if out of home would fall into that, uh, into that trap, perhaps. Because out of home is, is in the real world. I mean, phys real physical world. Absolutely. There is a risk that, and, that, and, and I, I have seen it, that, that Some vendors tend to go down the route of almost trying to be a physical website. We can trade purely by audience on a programmatic level. Yeah. And we're not a website. And any aspiration to be like online is misguided. Because in truth, if you don't work at Facebook or Google, who are taking, I think it's 80% of every cent spent now, out of home it isn't really a, a benchmark of success in, in, in the media world. Um And ultimately, if I just look at data, if I have a client that is anecdotally buying a thousand billboards to, to reach a million people, can I reach a million people 
on most of the world's metro systems in two days for a lot less money? Yeah. But is that ever the brief? Just reach a million people, whatever the hell they are, or as, as accurately as you can? No, the, the brief is often and should be to weave your way into the fabric of community and to target a specific audience in a specific function of their life, be it parents on the school run or fashionistas shopping or foodies going out on a Friday night for dinner. So we still, whatever data and technology and inventory is available to us now, it should still be based on a, a very accurate and a very aggressively demanded brief from the client that comes down to who are you targeting and who are you really targeting beyond an arbitrary demographic that, that people like me made up to sell you advertising? Who are you really targeting and what do you want them to do? And again, what do you really want them to do? It's, it's highly likely to simply be aware of your product. There's usually a drive to purchase or a drive to consideration. And, and really, that, that is our art. As media planners, our art is solving the puzzle of how do we make those people do that. And that requires thought and creativity in order to use technology and data in the right way to answer that question for our clients. I'm, I'm glad you're, say, you're saying that because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to renew faith in, in this whole, uh, in, in the concept of, of being a specialist. <laughs> that means so much, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gone that route uh, in, in my career. I've, I've gone the route of... Uh, of from from the media owner side to the to the media buyer side. So yes, I have pretty much seen seen the things going around, and I'm glad to hear that from you. The way you were describing things right now, it seems that out of media specialists, and I suppose this is agencies in general, really should try to get more into that consulting space. Be get that consultant mindset rather than just be a you know the uh, Uber trader because if, if that's it if, if that's of if that's all the value that that is delivered by a media agency then you know there really isn't much value in that because at this at this point in this age of uh, messaging and social media buyers and sellers I mean the the media owners and their sales team. And the the brands, they're all friends already at this point, and there's nothing you can do if they wanna, if you wanna, if they if they wanna deal amongst themselves. So there's got to be something that is of value that is not present in that uh, buyer and seller relationship, and that's where the specialist has to come in and say, okay, I have to stay in the middle of things because without me inserting myself here, you both don't see. X or Y. Yeah, well, uh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Being. And then there's also by uh, just completely immersing ourselves in our clients' brands and media goals and, and marketing goals, that, that's when we can go above and beyond just a living an audience. And if you, if you look at the, the things we win over the years, you know, we, 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 I think in, in our space we dominate in, in Cannes. We won five Lions last year. Um, and it's, it's for the, the special things we can do on top. And I can send you pictures of anything I reference if you want for, you know, the new Netflix show, Altered Carbon, which is, is about the uploading of a human conscious into a body. We, we, we replicated images from the show and we hung 
breathing bodies in bags along Sunset Boulevard. Now, that wasn't about audience optimization. It wasn't about any kind of digital data. It was just a brilliant visual idea. But the night that campaign went live, you couldn't switch on a news channel in America without seeing some journalist with a microphone stood in front of this thing talking about what was happening on Hollywood Boulevard. And the quote that I loved from, I believe it was NBC, was advertising becomes art in Hollywood. Um, and that kind of earned media, you, you can't really do any anywhere else. And we're, we're more and more commonly asked to use the out-of-home space to create content because you can do experiential activity and, and you, you can do interactive things and stunts often with a hidden camera. And you can, and you can but trigger... arguably... Yeah. And you can trigger conversations and trigger transactions. I mean, you know, tr- trigger people to do things like share or, you know, talk about it at the very least. Absolutely. I mean, we've done, we've done executions that arguably as an out-of-home campaign didn't do much at all. You know, we've done things that lasted for one day in one area of one city. So from an out-of-home audience perspective, it wasn't huge, but it was filmed and it went viral and, and gets 100 million hits on YouTube. So we, we can create a physical content for that space as well, or we can deliver that content. We've also done activations whereby we, we sent travel bloggers onto a cruise for a cruise ship client, and they had cameras with them and projected what they were doing live back to the streets of New York when it was freezing in New York and they were in the Caribbean. So we can use the space to create content, and we can use the space to deliver content if you, if you have it. Um, and, and really, that stuff comes around, and I guess back to your point about adding value, that stuff comes around by being in the room with the client and challenging and pushing and challenging and pushing and challenging and pushing until we all know exactly what it is we're trying to achieve. And that's where the creative ideas come from. But again, as long as they're done as well as that optimized broadcast campaign that means a huge percentage of the population are aware of you, before you entertain them or enhance their life in some way or become personal with them, you build an entire relationship. What you're describing right now, a lot of these things, these executions, these activations and all of that, they're already, well, we're already entering the realm of, of, of uh, creative. Now, you're a media specialist and, and uh, you're essentially a media group. And there's not much, uh, well, there isn't, there aren't too many shops around that are really creative focused. I mean, not in the grand visual sense, right? Uh, where you've got an agency that's a bit more digital out of home focused. Is there a role for this type of, well, for this type of creative firm right now? Is there, is there a need for, for this? Because I think often, Actually, the, the, the comment for, for, well, not often, but on some occasions, the comment is that, well, we don't have material. We don't have this. So that's why you, touch, you just tend to repurpose, just do a quick edit of essentially a, um, a TV commercial or, you know, any, any video. And that doesn't really serve the purpose except for occupying space on, on, a, on a board. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of, one of the challenges we have is not just presenting to our clients and to, to our media agencies, but also presenting to the creative agencies to get those guys excited about our film. 
We have an in-house division called Impact that are responsible for the things I've talked about. They've they put bodies in bags on Sunset Boulevard. That we, we bought an old helicopter in Vietnam and refurbished it and attached it to a billboard for for Amazon's new Jack Ryan series. Um, so I, I'm all for competition in that space, and the more people that can demonstrate the creative possibilities of, of Outerform, as long as they're relevant creative opportunities, quite often things are done just because it's an idea. Um, and it's not based on a, a, a strategy or a thought process or a, a direct link to the product. Um, but we're in the process as we speak of building a 36-foot-tall umbrella in, in central Manhattan. So we're essentially building the first three-story building that's not a building in Manhattan for, for a new uh, Netflix show. Um, and once clients get a taste for that, it's on every brief, and, and as long as they're not just doing that. And again, that's something that I can't even imagine when there's a 36-foot-tall umbrella in central Manhattan, the social media earning of that would be hard to measure. We will do some kind of attribution study um, to see how much it goes on from that. Um, but that is done on top of an optimized, delivered broadcast campaign that accurately targets the audience. Um, so we've built that relationship and then there's a lifestyle interaction because we know that this particular audience does a certain thing on a regular basis and then there'll be this actual interaction through an experiential division so I think these kind of things similar to my comments about technology experiential, special builds creativity is all great as long as it's relevant yeah, yeah. and as long as it is as well as the other things that, that, that we do so, you know, Grand Visual are a phenomenal shop. We work with, with them hand-in-hand hand on some projects for clients as well. And I, I think there's space in any market for anyone that can come in and demonstrate the relevant creative potential of our film. All right. Um, let's talk a bit about a rapport in the region. Uh, you, um, you're present here. Uh, of course, IPG has, has, is present in more markets. What are your plans for Southeast Asia? So our offices at the moment are Hong Kong, Malaysia, and India. That, that, that's our um, APAC footprint at the moment. And it, it's not, it's very, very much a focused market for us. I imagine that China and Thailand will be, will be next and imminent and, and very important. But again, back, back to, it references some of your earlier questions. We're part of a holding company. So it will be easy for us to put a rapport sticker on every door in Asia and tell you that we've got 20 offices. Um, but they wouldn't be real. So our, our approach to, to any given market is to meet with the holding company, meet with our clients and our clients in other markets that want us to be present and where do they want us to be present, but also spend time with the vendors and, and the trade press and people like yourselves to really establish the need and what the need is and how different it is to every other market. Because if we, if we come to China and do exactly what we're doing in the U.S., we've got something wrong. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a one-size-fits-all. We're not in a mad rush to open every market, but when we do open, we'll be immediately relevant. Um, we'll be tailored to that market, and we'll already have the support of, of the industry going in. Um, so I, I, I can imagine that, China and Thailand um, will hopefully be open for us I I imminently. Um, 
Uh, outside of that, again, we'll, we, we, we visit markets, we'll establish the need and the relevance and, and take it from there. But we, we'll never have this conversation being where I'll tell you I've got 35 offices across Asia um, because I've put a, sting, a sticker on, on every IPG door. That was my interview a couple of weeks back with Mike Cooper, Global CEO of Out of Home Media Specialist Rapport. Thank you, Mike, for agreeing to do the interview. And to Naomi Michael of IPG Media Brands in Singapore, thank you for helping make it happen. For your next episode, we'll be chatting with Patrick Chondi, CEO of OH Media Outfit Otego Media in Indonesia. Till then, this has been Bing. See you out of home. This has been Undercover the Podcast with Bing Kimpo. For more news about Arapold Media in Southeast Asia, follow at ASEANOH on Twitter. This has been Big Thanks. For comments and suggestions, email me ASEANOH, that's A-S-E-A-N-O-O-H, at gmail.com.